0: We are in a series titled uh, Wandering from Wisdom, and it's a journey through the book of Exodus. Last week, Pastor John preached on how we can't do it alone. We need those Jethro's in our lives, as Moses needed Jethro, to help him in his duties as their leader. And to have that leadership and wisdom from Jethro assist him in a very powerful way. We need to share that wisdom with each other on our journey, on the human journey, together. Today, we are going to look at God's law through the gift of the Ten Commandments. You remember that? The Ten Commandments. Moses, with those tablets. God's law, my friends, is for our good. See, think about it, with the possible ex- exception of some of the stories in Genesis or Psalm 23, we come to what may be the most widely known portion of scripture in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. These verses have been read and pondered and memorized more than any, almost any others. Even on a popular level, in today's post-Christian culture... The average person on the street might have some knowledge of what the Ten Commandments are and where they originated. Let's look at the Ten Commandments from God, and Exodus 19:25 closes with Moses coming down the mountain and telling the people these words. And you might want to count on your fingers as we go through those, if you would. "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt." "...out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven and above or on the earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation." and to those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant or maidservant, his donkey or oxen, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And there you have it, the Big Ten. Not the NCAA Conference, but the Big Ten Commandments. Did you notice how four of the commandments are directed toward our relationship with God? No other gods, no idols. Do not misuse the Lord's name. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy unto the Lord. You notice how long the Lord talks about the Sabbath? Man, several verses just on the Sabbath. You see, that Sabbath is for our love of self, our love and care for ourselves, our love of God, and our love for those closest to us. And it hinges us, swings us right into the next six commandments that are directed toward our relationship with others. Honor your father and mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Author and Theologian J.J. Packer compares the Ten Commandments to a maker's handbook for a car. A car is a complicated piece of machinery and it always has those couple pages that give you like a top ten list of how to care best for that car so that it lasts a long time. For example, change your oil every three to 5,000 miles. If you didn't know that, try to do that because it's good for your car. The Ten Commandments are a basic handbook on how we are supposed to live. In fact, if everyone in the world kept just a couple of the Ten Commandments, the quality of life on our planet would improve remarkably. But the sad reality is that although God has given us these all-important commandments, we still fall short, don't we? Since the Garden of Eden, people have rebelled against God to help free humanity from the propensity to sin and help people live their best lives, God gave these basic instructions as a beginning of a moral code for all to live by. And when God gave Moses the law, he was giving boundaries for the Israelites as a community to practice. And the Ten Commandments serve as boundaries to keep us on the straight and narrow path while showing us our need for a Savior when we inevitably stray from that path. It reminds me of guardrails. Check this out, guardrails. And now watch this guy. Watch this guy as he's coming down this hill. He's going for a Sunday drive. He's whipping around the turns. Oh, wait a minute. He oversteers. Bam! That's a guardrail hit, isn't it? Oh my gosh, look at that. He tore apart that guardrail. Look at how bendable that thing was. But now he gets out. He gets out of his car, and he holds up a sign there. Okay, he's okay. But you know what? I made an edit to that sign. That's what it should say, right? Did you see see how mountainous that was? That guy was well on his way. ...toward meeting his maker. Think about a guardrail. It's actually a system designed to keep vehicles... ...from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. You use them all the time. And trust me, you've been impacted by the peace of mind... ...of those guardrails. But nobody pays attention to the guardrails... ...unless you need one. I needed one when I was 16 and a half years old. Trust me, I've been on roads in pretty remote places, being on a mission trip, where there were no guardrails on a road like that. And trust me, I was praying. (laughs) I needed that protection. The Ten Commandments represent God's guardrails in our walk of life. These guardrails are to be savored and loved and lived out Individually and in community together. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you love the law? The law of God. Think about that question just for a moment. Psalm 119, verses 97. The psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate meditate on it all day long. My friends, think about it. God's law is so good. It diminishes chaos. It purifies the mind. It's antiseptic for the day and for the life. It directs the feet where to walk. It's a gift from your heavenly Father. It's meant to keep you safe and well and help you navigate and negotiate life. As we read more of God's word, commandments, laws, proverbs, it gives us very applicable guidance on the way, on the next faithful step we are to take. As the Israelites moved through the wilderness, they needed laws to guide them as a community of people, as a holy nation. Exodus 21, right after you read Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments, you begin to see over the next couple chapters very specific statutes and laws for their relationship with each other. There are laws for personal responsibility, personal property, personal injuries, law about servants, and the list gets very, very detailed. But what was needed at that time in order for them to move forward were those things specifically to help them. Think about how we're guided today when we're mindful and have these guardrails of the Ten Commandments in the back of our mind. Yesterday I was at Kroger uh, ready to pump gas. I put my Kroger Plus number in the keypad there. I don't have one of those little things to scan. I went to pump. I looked up at the directive on the screen because it wasn't working. I already pushed my octane level. I was ready to fuel it up. And it said pump is busy. Then I hit it again. And all of a sudden, the fuel started coming out. I was like, that was strange. All of a sudden, it stopped at $30. I looked down, and I saw that I got 70 cents off. Kim told me we only had a maximum of 40 cents. I thought, am I going crazy? I was like, did I put my credit card in? What in the world's going on here? That was my first thought. I walked around the pump to go to the teller you know in the little booth there and this guy started walking toward me from my right he stopped me I said man it shut off at 30 he goes I gave the teller the wrong number (laughs) wrong pump number I pumped his gas I got 70 cents off man I thought oh no and then I whipped out my wallet I was like I owe you 30 bucks buddy he said no 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 I cleared it up with her she corrected everything with him but I still pulled out my wallet I said I owe somebody thirty dollars here and so I walked up to the gas station teller with my newfound gas giving buddy to try to figure out what was going on The, the, the lady in the teller booth she didn't know what to do I told her I said take the money finally she did And I said, hey, I still need to get my 40 cents off on the rest of the fuel that I pump into my wife's car. I finished filling up my tank, and I thought, as I climbed into the car, thou shalt not steal, Jonathan. Thou shalt not lie, Jonathan. Guardrail at work. Guardrail to keep my integrity and witness from going over the mountain. (laughs) Thank God for those guardrails. Thank God for these Ten Commandments. You know, and now we switch over and we, we see how Jesus interacts with these commandments and talks about these precepts in his day. In the book of Matthew, Jesus has been laying out what a follower of Jesus looks like. And some of us may see and hear what God wants to do inside of us. What he wants, how he wants us to live and think. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Take a look at it up here. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. You might say, that's some tough teaching, brother. Sister, remember that most of the content that Jesus is teaching his listeners is unusual to them. It's the first time they've heard it. And Jesus starts teaching very countercultural. So many of Jesus' listeners may have thought that Jesus was against the official Jewish teaching of the day or against the teaching of the law of Moses. And the prophets. By the way, the law of the prophets and Moses referred to the historical teaching of the Old Testament, which at that time was the only Bible these people got to read. The only one they had. And Jesus is saying, don't be misinformed. I didn't come away, come here to do away with your Bible. He did not come to work around the law, my friends, but to perfectly obey and fulfill it, and to teach people how to live in it, fulfilled in their lives. This would have captured the attention of people to know that he is not doing something different from what God had been doing since he called Abraham and Moses to make this great nation out of the Israelites, and when God delivered the law to Moses, and when he spoke through the prophet, God was giving that as a gift, and Jesus was fulfilling that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to fulfill all that was delivered to you through Abraham and Moses and the prophets. Jesus said that every detail of the law does matter. And Jesus is wanting to make sure that we know the Old Testament teachings matter. They mattered in the time of Moses. They mattered in the time of Jesus. And they matter today. Jesus not only fulfilled the law with his ministry, death, and resurrection, but he ushered in the fulfillment of that law through grace and his love like never before. And thanks be to God. Think about it. No more animal sacrifices up here on the altar. No more ceremonial cleansing that the priests would do or people would have to do. The heart of his ministry was this grace and love along with the law. We see this when the experts of the law ask Jesus what the most important commandment to them. They challenge him. And here's what he says. Mark 12, 29 through 31. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6. And then he adds, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I believe this is the Ten Commandments simplified. Again, the relationship with God and the relationship with each other is so evident. And if you live out this commandment, I think with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will live out the law. It will be written on your heart. You see, Jesus fulfills the law and the prophets so perfectly, my friends. And he's the only one that could do that. And he did it. He not only obeyed them, he fulfilled them. He brought clarity to them. He was the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. And he made the law and the prophets what they were meant to be and made them come alive. You see, the law and the prophets matter. Jesus fulfilled them. One of the most touching examples of this is when the Pharisees and teachers of law brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. They had that woman stand in front of everyone and stand in front of Jesus, and they questioned Jesus about her act. They say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? What does Jesus do? He stoops to the ground. He starts writing. I've always heard it said, and this comes from seminary, he wrote grace in the dirt. And he says these words. Let any one of you who is without sin... Be the first to throw a stone at her. One by one, from oldest to the youngest, the stones drop to the ground. Jesus stands back up, and he asks a woman, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. He says, Neither do I condemn you. Go, leave your life of sin. You see, my friends, this is a reminder that we will fail keeping the law. We're prone to sin. Some of you are thinking, wait, what a letdown, Pastor Jonathan. You're a terrible preacher. You aren't, supposed to, aren't you supposed to motivate us for righteousness? Well, here's the deal. God's standard of being great in the kingdom of heaven is obedience to the law, even in the little things. But we're all going to mess up just like this lady. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I don't have to convince you all of this. You know yourselves, don't you? You know that you're not perfect. And surely I know that I'm not perfect. In fact, the standard that Jesus gives us for righteousness would have floored his listeners at that time. He said, did you catch it in the Matthew passage? He said, we must be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees were the pinnacle of righteousness in those days. And the people would die to be as righteous as the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus says, you must be more righteous than they are. If that's the case, there's no hope for us to be able to be righteous enough. But let me tell you this. I'm not a betting man. But I bet if you followed that woman caught in adultery, if you followed her around day by day, minute by minute, I believe because of the grace of God, her righteousness would have surpassed the scribes and Pharisees because she knew no condemnation in Jesus Christ and she knew of his love and grace. Amen? Absolutely. Grace abounded in her life. And I believe she wouldn't allow that sin to intrude into her love for Jesus. Are you catching on? On our own, we are unable to fulfill the law. Did you catch that? On our own, we are unable to fulfill the law. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Why we need the righteousness of Christ to help us obey the law. Why we need the grace of Christ to help us try to live out that love and that grace and that law and it comes from our love of god our love of self our love of others our love for the law and the ministry of the gospel of grace and the holy spirit you see, the law and the prophets show us God's way. And in part, they show us that we cannot measure up to God's standard, which shows us ever more that we need that grace in our lives. We need Jesus' forgiveness. We need the forgiveness found in his blood sacrifice. And we need to always remember the grace of God that is active in our lives, doing everything possible, moving us along throughout every stage in life, throughout every failure and trial and discouragement, and know that our righteousness comes from him. You see, Jesus did fulfill the law. He was perfectly obedient, even to the little things. His righteousness did exceed that of the Pharisees. And folks, it happens to his followers, and it can happen to you, to where your love in him will radiate holiness. So Jesus will pay the penalty, or has paid the penalty, for our unrighteousness. And we'll receive the blessing of being called great in his kingdom. That's the gift of God to us because of him. 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the Spirit. In order for us to live righteously and to be called great in the kingdom of heaven, something has to change in us. That switch of grace and God's love has to ignite that heart of love for God and others and ourselves. And we need the help and healing of Jesus and praise God for he offers that grace. Look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can change our unrighteousness, my friends. He can give us new hearts, which can be faithful to God in new ways and in the, even in the old compulsions. We can live as God called us to live. And we are made alive through his word, ministry, and his own very spirit. So not only we love the law and love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have to abide and live in grace and live in his righteousness. With Jesus, we have new lives, new hearts that can be devoted to fulfill the law and the righteousness of God. If you have not done so, give your heart to Jesus today, and you'll never, ever be the same my friends and if you're already a follower of Jesus commit to live in righteousness that you have been set free for in grace let the law and the one who fulfilled the law become your righteousness let's take some time to bring our lives before God's throne of grace and experience his forgiveness I want to give you some challenges right now first Identify one law of God that you failed to obey. Maybe that command, lying, not putting God first, coveting, ask God to forgive you. Perhaps you haven't forgiven someone who has broke a command against you. Perhaps you have not loved the way you should. Perhaps you've had a prideful heart. Whatever it is, ask God to forgive you and then make it right. Now thank God for His grace and for giving you new righteousness and live for Him and let grace abound. Next, identify one law of God that you will fulfill this week. Ask God to guide you with His Holy Spirit. You are now set free to live for God with the righteousness of Jesus and commit to live a new life in Him and His help. To help you fulfill the law. The call of righteousness. Is a serious requirement. From God to humanity. And God doesn't mess around with sin. The fact that we know the depth. Of our own sin and our own righteousness. Should drive us straight to the cross. Of Jesus Christ. Where we shall be changed. Where we shall be made new. Where we shall live. New lives devoted to God. We must remember to love the law. We must also remember Ephesians 2, 8-9 that tells us it is for by grace that we have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. And lastly commit to memory Philippians 2, 13 for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God working in you, given the desire, the power, to do what pleases Him. Father, help us to live in this reality today. Help us to trace your words, the law is sweeter than honey to the lips. God, make us new and alive in Christ through your grace. Impart your righteousness upon us so that we can live in a new way, in a path of holiness. Lord, you love everyone here. You've lifted him up in a new reality through the fulfillment of the law. And we thank you that you've done everything to minister unto us through your grace and through your sacrifice. And we pray this in the name of Of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.